Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. You know, we as Americans have an uneasy relationship with authority. Whenever I think of the word authority, I think of the, uh, the, the cartoon character Eric Cartman, who dresses up like a police officer in, in a desperate attempt to get his classmates to do what he wants them to do, tells them that they will respect his authority. I am a cop and you will respect my authority. We as Americans have an uneasy relationship with authority. Uh, after all, we are the nation that threw off the yoke and the mantle of a, uh, a sovereign nation. We told a king, King George, where he could go and what he could do. And, and in fact, very in, in, early on in the revolution, many Americans were considered rebellious. They were considered treasonous. They were considered radical because they were overthrowing the traditional authority structures. How dare you? Anyway... That's the founding of our nation, and that kind of distrust of authority uh, is pretty deep in the American psyche. But is authority always bad? Is power always bad? Are there ways in which authority can be reclaimed or is helpful? Well, that's what we're going to talk about, because today we encounter a story in Matthew 8, a story of a Roman centurion who is a person who knew, if anybody knew, about authority. It's this Roman centurion. Roman centurions were soldiers who took a, a pledge to Caesar, but they were over a Roman garrison. They were over a group of troops. So there's a military line of command. If anyone knows about authority, it's people in the military. There's a chain of command and a line of authority. And in this story, we learn about Jesus healing someone, but we also learn about authority because this Roman uh, centurion says to Jesus, actually, it's you who has authority. And Jesus is pretty, pretty, pretty astonished by this. And so we're going to look at what it means to make Jesus our authority. What does that look like in the real world? What does it look like in our day-to-day lives? What does it look like as a church? And what doesn't it look like? Jay Kim is here. We're going to talk about what that means. And so with that, let's just get right into it. Hey, what's up? What's up? Okay, so my first question to you, Jay. Have you ever... I'd like to ask you a question about the time that you got in the most trouble when you were a kid. Because you shared some stories with me. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. You got in a lot of trouble sometimes. Yes. So is there... We're talking about authority. Was there a time when the authorities came down on you? Yeah, I think I've shared this before, but I used to steal cigarettes, cartons, not boxes, and sell them out of my locker. (laughs) I got caught doing the the first and last and only time I got caught doing that. And I had to go to juvenile court. Did you really? Yeah. Why? And, and I didn't. Oh, because they called the police and it's illegal to steal anything. Oh, yes, sure. I know so, it's illegal to uh, steal. I, was, I think I was a sophomore, freshman or sophomore in high school. Wow. And then I went to juvenile court, and my mom was with me, and because of her pleas, the judge sentenced me to, like, nine months of community service instead of something more harsh. What did you have to do? Uh, There was a community garden next to the library. It's actually near Westgate Church, um, Saratoga campus. Uh, It's on Saratoga. It's the corner of Saratoga Avenue and San Tomas Aquino. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's still there. I, I doubt that it is. This was 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes. 
Yeah, but there was a library there and then a small community garden next to it. And I had to go there. I don't think it was every day. I think it was like three days a week after school. For and nine months? Yeah. That's a long time. So it was like through summer. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. So that was the worst trouble I got in. Sure. Yep. Pretty did, rough. Did that change your view of authority? Uh, gosh. Um, I don't think it. Well, Maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe in hindsight, it was like, oh, they they can seriously do stuff to me. <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> they have can mess with my they life. hold sway over my life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow, uh, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's that's kind of big trouble. That's not like yeah, little. it was big. Yeah, it was big. Yeah, but deserved. Did you know? did you smoke the cigarettes you were selling? Rarely, sometimes, but because never use your product. <laughs> If I've yes. learned anything from Breaking Bad. Yeah, Walter White to Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> Never use a product. Never use your product. Okay. Jesse. <laughs> um, so we, we've been talking about the whole Matthew season five is on authority. Yeah. And so we've seen Jesus be authoritative in teaching. Uh, we, we spent months in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. That he comes down the mountain quite literally and goes to Capernaum, which is like kind of right there. Mm-hmm. It's from what I understand, I've never been to the Holy Land, mm. but people who have, and from the pictures I've studied, right, they, it's like kind of right there. It's, it's right down the right, right down the mountain. Yeah, um, he be, begins to do some healings. Yeah, and and then we're going to see another batch of miracles, um, where it just kind of shows that Jesus has all sorts of authority. Yeah, it's basically he taught all this stuff, but. Is is it worth listening to, following, sort of? And he he just he's like backing it up, kind of. Yeah, you know he's he's displaying his authority. What what struck me is that, and this is we are we're in a unique cultural moment. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to to delve into waters that are uncomfortable, but it's just true that there is a a giant distrust of authority. Uh, some of it overt, some of it just kind of seeping into people. Yeah. And we kind of touched on this, but even just this week, uh, again, I'm not trying to delve into, just is just stuff that popped up on my news. Uh, a major news media outlets in, involved in a giant lawsuit over lying over election results. Sure. The government's fighting about, and uh, the FBI director was kind of releasing, here's where COVID came from. And then the scientific community is like, no, that's not right. And they're going back and forth on, you know, where did COVID come from and who know when? And so there's like, well, who do we trust? And it, there just seems to be a giant, like, uh, epistemological yeah. crisis. Like, who's telling the truth and how do we know? Mm-hmm. Not only that, but like stuff on social media, there's sometimes stuff that's doctored, mm-hmm. there's deep fake, there's AI. It, it, it's like as you you opened your your uh, your sermon with the, the idea of the guy giving the sermon that was written by chat GPT, mm-hmm. right? And I opened my sermon with my son who turned to me one day and said, hey, dad, would you proofread my paper? It was a comparison between Clara and the son and Frankenstein and the themes and I read it, and I'm like, uh, this is a good first draft, but, man, you're super light on uh, examples and quotes. He's like, yeah. I go, how long does this take you to write? And he's like, two seconds. I'm like, ha, <laughs> well, ha, it's ha. it's a little longer than that. ChatGPT will take, you know, 20 seconds or so <laughs> to map out. And I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? And he told me about ChatGPT, right. how it wrote the first draft of his paper, which was, I'm going to be honest with you, as an English teacher, former English teacher, it was good. 
It's a B, B minus. Yeah, sure. But he adds some d- different stuff, and all of a sudden, it's a good paper. And I'm like, but there's a fundamental problem. I said, son, this is there's a trust that exists between you and the teacher. Yeah. That you did the work. That you this is your idea. That's why they have students submit it through the plagiarism. You know. Sure. Because you you want to make sure that that sacred trust between the teacher and the student isn't broken. Yeah. Because they have to trust that what you're writing is from your head, not somebody else's, and that you did the work. And so there's a trust issue there, even in the papers. And I think that you're seeing that now in the debates around education and chat GPT. Yeah. And uh, are we going to go back to blue books? You know, right. <laughs> I don't know. Did you ever take blue book classes? Where uh, you had to write essays that, longhand? I don't. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had to write longhand. Um, I don't remember blue book though, but yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's to, so that, yeah. that, that's all my college was is yeah. writing essays in blue books. Right. Yeah. Um, but the, it kind of raises the question of authority, which is, I think a, a, a unique cultural moment that we're in. Uh, do you think it's worse than it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say better or worse because it seems like, uh, it seems like it sometimes goes in cycles. Like mm-hmm. I think about the '60s, there was a lot of political upheaval, right? And there was a lot of distrust of the the government for Vietnam, uh, for um, you know, just is Lyndon Johnson telling the truth? And then Nixon, of course, the right. the the office of the president is that is he lying? Is 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 he trustworthy? So it it did seem like there was there is a dip in or there's a cycle in which yeah. there's a group of people, usually young people, who are deeply distrustful of the... Yeah, that's the pr- been written about. We've talked about it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's a hypothesis out there about from a guy named Samuel Huntington about what he calls moral convulsions, that there's a sort of cyclical every 60 years or so in American life that there is a moral convulsion, a real repulsion against... The institutions. A, a disdain and despair. Yeah, disdain and disgust for established authority and institutions. But I think, uh, you know, this is all fascinating stuff, but really for someone just living life, the reality is we live within a particular time. And the question has to be, how how do I think about authority today, now? In part because of the particular time I'm living in, um, because of media, because of technology, because of my own sort of valuing maybe even worship and idolatry of, you know, idolizing of personal autonomy, individual autonomy. We talked about all this in the teaching. I think that is problematic for sure in the time we're living in. Right. And so in that, you said that 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 distrust of authority is really problematic for everybody, but especially for the Christian, because Jesus kind of enters the story. And like you said, it's impossible to read the New Testament and not see that Jesus is, is claiming and speaking like me, I'm the one. Yeah, you. I'm truth. Yep. I'm life. I'm the way. Right. Uh, follow me. You want to get to God? Uh, me. These are these are not like hey. There's a lot of options out there, and it'd be cool if you join me. Right. Like he is definitively saying, me. Yeah. Like follow me. Like inviting people to follow him. And then showing his authority over all sorts of things, death, disease, yeah, um, infirmity, nature. The in in a little bit he's going to stop a storm, and then he's going to pull a whole bunch of demons out of a dude, right? right? And right. they're going to be amazed, his disciples, because he's got authority over the natural realm and the supernatural realm. Basically, all of the universe is yeah. under his purview, yeah. And they're going to be like, what? So, 
in the middle of that, what is it? I think the next question is, okay, so Jesus is authoritative. What, what does that mean? What does it look like for a person to believe or to act that Jesus is authoritative? What does that even, what does that look like? What's the next step for, for a church or for a community or for a person? And, and what does that require uh, of a person to, to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it means total surrender to align your life, not all at once. It doesn't happen overnight. The process of formation into Christ's likeness takes a lifetime. But I think it means that the trajectory of your life of your life is moving in the direction of more and more alignment every day to the way of Jesus and to his kingship in your life, which means that you don't actually own your own life. You don't, you are not the ruler of your life. Jesus is. And again, that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it takes a lifetime, but I think that's what it means. Just like a super submission of every aspect of your life to, to Jesus. In surrender to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, how do you, like, how do you know you're not, I guess a bigger question, and this is a, a question for a church and you're in, you're in church leadership. So um, how, how does a church make sure that it's, not just doing what it wants or is, isn't being infiltrated by its own desires or it's, or, or, or how does it make sure that it's submitted? How does that organization submit to Jesus? Because what's interesting is um, people, you know, you're the lead pastor, but you don't have all the authority in the church, right. which is a lot of people maybe don't know that. Yeah. Um, and so could you talk a little bit about how, what are the checks and balances to make sure that a church organization, and then we'll go to the personal, um, how does a church ensure that it's trying to follow Jesus and be uh, under his authority and the Bible's authority as opposed to, because we've all seen examples of like bad, yeah. bad examples of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have an elder board here that I report to. They hired me. They could fire me. They're lay leaders, men and women. There's nine of them. Um, so, and I report to them and we all sort of collectively move together. So I don't know. Simply put, I think no church does it, no organization, no entity does it perfectly. But for a church to, you know, to, again, pursue alignment to the authority of Jesus means to be a community anchored in Scripture and prayer and and to be anchored in those things communally, to be anchored in them together. Um to pray together, to fast and pray together, and then to ask the question, what do we sense God by his spirit is revealing to us collectively as we surrender collectively to him? Um, and then to be anchored in scripture together, you know, to go to the scriptures and to collectively, communally uh, try to seek our collective communal best understanding of we, what we sense God has spoken to us through scriptures through the scripture. We don't get it right all the time, uh, but we at least, you know, faithfulness is the barometer. Right. Are we, are we being faithful to pursuing our best understanding of what God seems to be telling us through his word? So, you know, there's, we could talk for hours, sure. about it, but that would be the simple, sim simple way of understanding it to be a community anchored in scripture and in prayer together. In, in a weird way, community is a ballast against individualism, right? And you've, yeah. you've talked about this yeah. extensively, but it's, it's um, there, there's a way to, um, you know, the lack of humility that sometimes comes when, when a self is exalted, yeah. you know, 
uh, community and being involved in community or community life uh, can is a ballast against that. Yes. First of all, because it demands kind of service and listening, but also because you could be wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and when you are wrong and it happens, uh, the other community come along and say, hey, um, that, I don't know. Like, right. let, let's let's search the scriptures to make sure that um, that that's right. Yeah. And it could be, I remember one time uh, one of, I was at a church and one of the speakers said Jesus was reincarnated on the third day. Mm-hmm. They just, they meant resurrected, but they said reincarnated. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a simple like, hey, um, you said reincarnated. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like, oh, I, I'm sorry. And so it was just a misspeak. So it was yeah. a clarification. Yeah. But the community came up. But sometimes it's like, hey, uh, we're not really sure about that. But the community can be a ballast against um, kind of individualism, right. uh, which is which is an important thing. And then I also love you said that there's an analogness to it too. Like it's a people in a place, right? It's yeah, it's embodied. It's 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 real life, right? Yeah. yeah. So not yeah. So that that makes sense too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That that's that's a tough thing. Are there danger? What what do you think are the dangers to us about authority in our modern age? Um, when you, when you look at it, just as, as a person trying to follow Jesus in Silicon Valley, and it might be different in other places. It's it's probably different in South America or India, but for us right now in Silicon Valley, where we are, what's, what do you see as the danger to this wholehearted centurion devotion? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, we could talk about this for hours too. It's an area of great interest to me personally. Um, there's lots to say. I think that th- one of the ideas I've been thinking about a lot lately, and it's not a new idea. I was first introduced to it by reading a book by Neil Postman, uh, which I've read several times now, um, a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. Postman wrote the book. That's like in the 80s. Late 80s. Yeah. yeah, I remember reading it in college. And he's commenting on television, basically. Not just television, but primarily what television media has done to society and culture. And, but I think so much of what he writes, it has been accelerated today because of the internet. So one of his big ideas, and I'm just sort of summarizing him here. um, One of his big ideas is that when news like genuine high level journalism um, becomes entertainment, you run the risk of destroying an entire culture and society. Now, that sounds super hyperbolic, but if you read the book, it'll shock you how reasonable and realistic that statement is. So I can't summarize the whole book here, but I'm sure several people listening have probably read Amusing Ourselves to Death. Um, so I've thought about that a lot. It's one of the reasons why we talked about it in the teaching that our, our concept of authority, not even just like our surrender as Christians to the authority of Jesus, but our concept of authority in general and ha- how we feel about authority, what we think about authority, um, without even realizing it, I think uh, it's been so utterly deconstructed in our day and age because of, again, hyper-individualism, um, technology, and the way technology has sort of subverted previous authority structures. And what I'm not saying is that previous authority structures were great and we should go back to that. Right. I'm just saying 
the structures themselves, not who or what entities were in authority. There, yeah. there are always good leaders and bad leaders. Sure. I just mean the structures themselves have been upended in, yeah. in many ways by technology. Um, and then media, you know, media has, this has always been true, but uh, the internet and um, the sort of, uh, you know, the way revenue is generated on the internet and the way uh, social media keeps our attention has forced, well, maybe it hasn't forced, but it has definitely pushed media companies and news media companies and journalism in general toward the sensational uh, farthest paid, edges yeah, of yeah. the spectrum rather than moving yeah. and living and operating in the more rich, robust and responsible sort of middle, you know? So what they talk about, like Mark Sayers talks about media companies. There used to be three ABC, NBC and CBS. And it's a half hour news show at six thirty PM. And the whole point was to get people to watch. And so it was a subscription model, right? And so the whole, each one of those three entities was America's trusted news source, America's most trusted. And the yeah. idea was that these three anchors would tell you the truth about what you needed to know. And then you would listen to it. And it was for the purpose of informed democracy and to know about the world and important things right. as opposed to, hey, can we get more clicks on this? So a subscription model versus a click model is yeah. is that's a that's a that's a big fundamental shift. Yeah. And it's going to change yeah. the way that you look at authority, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean that that's been written about extensively. There's a guy named Matt Taibbi who wrote a book called Hate Inc that came out a couple of years ago. And he talks about that. He talks about how like 9/11 is a prime example. When 9/11 happened, America turned to Peter Jennings Dan Rather and Tom Brokaw. They turned to three people, really. Um, and there's a journalist uh, or a writer or something in some op-ed I read recently where they said that on that day, Jennings, Rather, and Brokaw were the closest thing America has had to the Pope, that they were basically guiding us through... Grief, shock. Yeah. And and yeah. They, they were really, we looked to them. And that was like 20 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. But um, were, God forbid, but were a tragedy like that to strike today. Where we do we don't, go? We don't have, we don't have those that. people. Yeah. We would immediately jump to. Um, Online spaces, maybe. Yeah. Conspiracy theories and all of the sort of the news media wars would just. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it would explode. It'd be into, politicized immediately and yeah. tribalized. Yeah. And, and it's not to say it should or shouldn't be. I'm just talking about the structures. The structures have been upended. So, and we can, you know, there's, because of that, I think we despise authority, whether we know it or not, you know, like true authority, genuine authority. Um, but again, you know, I talked about this in, in the teaching, but, we also long for authority yeah. in a healthy way. Every human being does. You and talked I, about I, secure uh, secure attachment and attachment theory, just this. Yeah, the, attachment theory. Right. Yeah, and then um, in the 60s and 70s, a developmental psychologist sort of worked it out further and said there are four types of attachment, and the most healthy is secure attachment. And then it reminds me of what Kurt Thompson wrote in his book, The Soul of Shame, that I've quoted many times, 
every human enters the world looking for someone looking for them. That's authority. Right. That's the healthiest form it's of authority. Lo- but it's a loving, caring, self-sacrificial authority. Right. And that's the sort it's the of... the best type of authority. That's the, that's the sort of authority that Jesus has in our right. lives. So I think that's the key, is we got to get back to that, knowing that that's actually what we long for. We long know? for authority, but it's got to be the right authority. Because one of the things that has happened, and you've seen this, it's we're, sometimes people are traumatized by bad authority or misuse of authority. So mm-hmm. we're not minimizing that. We're saying that, that that's... That's, but that's that's why we need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the stories of Asbury, the the revival, the or the the outpouring, I think they're calling it the Asbury outpouring. The stories of the testimony were students healing from abuse, and mental depression and anguish, and and yeah. the, and the feelings that come from I need an authority, and my authority figures have abandoned or abused or neglected. Yeah. And Jesus will not. Yeah. And so I shift my allegiance to him and him alone. Right. Which is actually a beautiful healing. And that's mm-hmm. actually in some ways kind of what Jesus is inviting us into. Yeah, I mean yeah, and and then I think you know, as we you said something there that I'm not sure I would totally agree with where we shift our authority to him and him alone because of human authority. You know, like Kurt Thompson's talking about like at the purest level, I'm a sinner, like me, Jay. I'm a sin- sinful, broken person. But if my relationship with my children are is healthy, I have authority in their lives. Now, I can abuse that authority. Sure. Um, so I think that's a danger, too, you know. I think so many—there's a there's this whole movement, and it's justified and helpful and necessary because of all the incredibly tragic stories we've heard in recent years about— the spiritual abuse, basically. And I'm grateful that much of it is coming to light so that the church can reform and um, repent and get better. But sometimes I do get concerned that we could swing the pendulum culturally so far and say what you just said, which is like, Jesus is my only authority. I've seen that abused. It's like, that's totally true. Yeah. You know, Jesus is the only authority. Um. But loving authority, the loving, gracious authority of Jesus gets embodied and expressed in human very specific yeah. um, systems of human relationships. And it should be that way. Like parents. A loving parent yeah. should have authority like over yeah. the children that they love. To a certain extent, a healthy church should be able to create a healthy dynamic of authority in the lives of one another Yeah, in various ways. What I don't mean is the lead pastor is the authority and everyone follows. I think that's dangerous. And I think our church does not function that way, Um, intentionally so. I've actually heard from many people, new people, that one of the things they appreciate so much about our church, it's such a small thing to me, but... It, it's I've realized it's a big deal to people. I've had, like, this is not an exaggeration. In the last year, I've had dozens of people, new people in our church, come to me and say, you know what I've really loved about our church is that when you get up there, you never say you're the lead pastor. That's intentional. I do that intentionally. That's my title because we're an organization sure. and we have whatever. But when we're worshiping together, when I'm with our people, I don't think of myself that way. My title doesn't matter. 
my organizational role really doesn't matter. I'm there as a broken human being, just like everybody else. And I, I have responsibility, which is to sort of lean in pastorally as much as possible. And I've heard that about all of our staff. Like, I love that our staff get up there and nobody's like, I'm the whatever, you know? Um, and so I'm very cognizant of that. I, I'm, you know, anybody who knows me well will tell you that I'm very sensitive to the overstepping of bounds when it comes to authority and spiritual abuse and things like that. But yeah, I, I'm also aware I, I've just seen it go wrong the other way where people say, you can't tell me what to do. Jesus is the only one I answer to mom, you know, or whatever. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and I think that's really a reflection sometimes of uh, specifically the sort of idolization of self individualism. Yeah. Today. yeah. Well, I mean, the church is organized under qualified leadership and it has. Yeah. The, and the I really believe in a plurality of leadership. That's why yeah. we have. That's why I I never make a decision in a vacuum. Sure. No one on our executive team does. Our elders always kind of have the final say, and there's lots of them. It's not one elder, you know? So Yeah, it's interesting. It's like um, sometimes, and this is human tendency, um, when there's an abuse, you swing so far the other way that yeah. it gets out of balance, and then it swings back, and it can be – it's just kind of human yeah. human need. Yeah. Um, because I mean, think about those students who, many of whom were like getting healed and and, and talking about their wounds and their they still they're going to be in a church, yeah, <laughs> and they're going to be with uh, leaders and friends and yeah, leaders who love them, who love them, and and they're yeah. going to have to walk through that and get through that for the next couple of years as right. they're in college, and then after that, um, you know, they're not going to know what they're going to do parenting or yeah. in, in marriage, and they're going to have loving authority that can help them, you know, navigate marriage and yeah. Uh, parenting and job and all those things. Yeah. Uh, but now the ultimate authority is Jesus in those situations. But yeah. but still, there's embodied human uh, structures. Right. So, yeah. a little maybe baby with bathwater. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Um. Yeah. That's uh, and especially maybe even in America. Like uh, I have friends. I had a friend who visited. And uh, Steve was teaching on uh, life groups, mm-hmm. and he's from a, a traditional Asian church yeah. uh, in New York. And so he's uh, he was visiting, and Steve's like, hey, listen, you know, life groups are super important. We don't believe that you can do life alone. In fact, we think it's impossible. Mm-hmm. So all I'm asking, I'm not asking you to sign up for a life group. Just go out to the life group tables and just take a look and strike up a conversation. If you're not in a life group, just go ahead and do that. Yeah. And my friend was amazed that people got up. And they just walked out. He's yeah. like, they didn't go to the tables. There's like five people oh, who right. went to the tables. <laughs> in, in an Asian yeah. church that just, uh, he's like, everyone, even yeah. if you're in a life group, people would be like, well, I'm in two life <laughs> yeah. groups. Maybe I should look into a third. Right. Like just the idea. Yeah, so the pros and cons of all sides. Yeah, it just, but it's an interesting. Because that, that's all unhealthy. Yeah. Nobody it, going <laughs> is unhealthy. And then going out of duty because some authoritarian figure said it is unhealthy. It, it's just a it was so. striking difference yeah. in how you view authority. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a challenging thing. Yeah. Uh, any advice for folks? Because um, the centurion, it says that his faith amazed Jesus. Yeah. And if you had to say, what do you want, what does it look like for us to amaze Jesus with our faith here in the Bay Area? Yeah. Like, like both individually and collectively. Like what, if somebody was like, I want, I want to amaze Jesus with my faith, with my allegiance to him, with my loyalty and my trust, what would that look like in the, in the Bay Area, would you, would you think? Yeah, to live a surrendered life, 
Nobody does that. You know, it's not a virtue. It's not virtuous to, I'm going to, I'm going to relinquish control. Autonomy is not the priority. Um, finding myself and achieving my dreams is not the priority of my life. It's so countercultural to just culture in general and especially here in the Silicon Valley. I think that would be amazing. Maybe not to Jesus, I don't know, but to people for sure, you know, can be an incredible witness of. And that's the upside down kingdom is like, I know people who live that way and they're the freest, most joyful people I know because they live in surrender, you know, and uh, I think we have a chance to do that, to, to sort of display for the world, hey, there's a better way and it's not what you think. Yeah. You know, it's not more of the same. It's right. surrendering your life to someone who loves you yeah. and is able in ways that you'll never be. You know, anyone who says I've decentered myself and found true joy in serving others, uh, that seems so countercultural. Right. Because <laughs> everything is like, here's how I became my best me. I threw off every encumbrance yeah. and I do whatever I want. Yeah, that's the narrative, right? Right. So it's almost like uh, th- that's so anti, it's opposite, um, that surrender. Uh, well, this is the second. Uh, I love I love that this was actually a, a healing, hmm. but really it was about authority. <laughs> Yeah, this it's interesting, you know. And then next week we're gonna look at another healing and another um, kind of angle yeah. about what this moment shows, right. um, both in Jesus and the Shincherian. Uh, uh, well, thanks for that, and uh, thanks Jay for stopping yeah. by. Thank and you guys. Uh, we're gonna continue on next week with another miracle of Jesus, Woo. which shows uh, another aspect of his authority. Woo. We're actually gonna keep going. There's more. There's more to say. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Jay. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye. <laughs> Just want to say thanks to Jay for stopping by. Join us next week. We're going to continue in the book of Matthew. We're going to have another healing, and we're going to look at another uh, kind of angle of Jesus's ministry. And so with that, uh, we'll see you next week.